Welcome everyone, this is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, Taylor Henry. This is podcast number... 12. Oh, I think that was uh, Weston Larson making a short appearance here for our little intro. Weston, how are you doing? I'm doing very good, Taylor. And yourself? I'm not doing bad. I'm not doing bad. <laughs> Today's episode is featuring uh, Sam Soholt. Sam has been hunting with the Hunting Public crew as of late. Uh, does a ton of cool things. And we'll kick it over there after we're done with this little quick intro. Tiger Woods just won a major championship. Yes, he did. He won the Masters and could not be happier. The Cubs are still quite a ways behind the Brewers in the standings. They yeah, they are uh, <clears throat> five and nine. Not great. Dirty but, uh... the dirty field down south is a stupid place who does not have a roof. And I'm glad their game got snowed out today. Yep, postponed. Uh, to be determined. I hope 34 more games get postponed so they have 17 doubleheaders in the second half of the season. Kinda, how are they, they going to do like that with the Angels? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anaheim's just going to have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What That was like their demise last year. It's dumb. Anyways, to give you a little update on our situation, we were supposed to go to South Dakota last time we talked. We did not. No, they got about 24 inches of snow. <laughs> Uh, we elected not to go. We did go out one morning in Wisconsin with a youth hunter. Had no luck. That was a nightmare as well. About an inch and a half of ice we hunted on. Yeah. Nice so A balmy 33. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, like, actually being 32, <laughs> 31. About a 22-mile-an-hour wind slapping me right in the face for three and a half hours. Not okay still. Had to drink a little bit yesterday to wear that one off. Just um, a little bit. <clears throat> Yeah, drank some Jack yesterday, a little slow today. We got some work done. So Weston's up here, we're getting some stuff done. Um, new episode, when you're listening to this, would have dropped probably the day before. And the season starts Wednesday. Hopefully you're listening to this on Tuesday, and that's tomorrow. So Wisconsin season does start this week. Forecast-wise, looks bad. Terrible. Solid rain chances of 100% Wednesday, Thursday. Yep, thunderstorms. Thunderstorms. Um, we're just not catching many breaks here. Weekend looks decent, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, we, Thursday, Friday, not well, great. I guess the positive is that it's going to be above 50 each day. Um, we're looking at 60 on Tuesday. What snow there is around, which is very little here, um, will be gone. Um, and we're just going to have to battle through the rain, I think. Probably bring out the blinds. Uh, unfortunately, we have to with rain because of the stupid cameras. But, yeah, so that's kind of our plan. This will be hopefully a quest of getting Weston his first turkey ever this year. Uh, yep, yeah, third season. Third season's your first tag? Yep. So oh, I am, that sucks. I'm video- <laughs> I know. Well, videotaping uh, hopefully. first season and second season. Who has the first season that you're videotaping for? Uh, buddy of mine, Kyle Lovejoy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then second season, Mitchell. Yeah. And my brother, Mitchell, and his buddy, Shane, both have second season. So we're going to do some videotaping there, hopefully double down. Yeah, I got a pretty big mess of uh, people that are hunting first season. I, I don't know for sure who I'm hunting with. Uh, I do think I'm hunting with my buddy, uh, Billy Kellogg, on Wednesday opener. Um and then Jeffrey, my cousin, will have off, and we'll be hunting uh, Friday. Hopefully, not too much into the weekend, but yeah. And then, unfortunately, I have to be gone next week, so I won't be hunting second season much, if any. But yeah, so pretty much the strategy I'm, I'm going to follow for the next week is we're going to hit hit those uh, spots we've been seeing turkeys strutting so far, well-known spots that we've hunted in the past earlier season. I still think they're a little bit grouped up it's not completely broken up awesome hunting yet um but it should be fun regardless i did see on the way here today um two strutters with i would say it's probably like six to ten hens yeah so yeah probably gonna do a little driving around a little bit here looking for some and then um hopefully get a better idea in the next couple of mornings going out and and listening some more but, um, yeah, I look forward to it. Not happy about missing most of next week, but duty calls. So, Weston, anything else these guys need to know about you besides that you're a Cub fan loser? <laughs> um, no, season's uh long season. 
Um, it's still early. Oh, you're referring to the Cubs? I'm, yeah, yes. I thought you were talking about turkey hunting. Um, that not as <laughs> it's long. still early. Not as long, but that is early, yes. So we will quit talking, kick it over to our really cool interview with Sam Soholt. Very cool. Uh, obviously, if you have followed the hunting public at all, um, Sam has been tagging along with those guys as of late. Super cool dude. Um, lives kind of like a... <laughs> unreal lifestyle nomadic lifestyle um and he he goes in depth with that with us and then kind of his turkey hunting history and his hunting history in general he was it was a really good interview so that's from about a month or two ago and um we will run that sucker now and make sure if you like this episode to subscribe give us a little rating on whichever platform you're listening on head over to youtube give us a subscribe there and make sure you're following all our stuff on facebook and instagram well, I'll see you guys later. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you. We are live with Sam Soholt. Sam, kind of introduce yourself to our viewers. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, Sam Soholt here. Um, I'd usually tell people where I'm from, but I guess I grew up in South Dakota and kind of live on the road most of the time. Been traveling for the better part of... I guess seven years now, but total nomad for the last five. Whoa. So, so but, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? So you just started traveling 31. right out of high school? No, I'm 31. Uh, so I finished up school in North Dakota, moved to Iowa briefly, and then uh, was out in Colorado, and then moved to Montana, and that's kind of where the, in it was 2013, kind of really dove into the, film and photography i was working for um the hit or the weather channel first uh, up on kodiak film and coast guard alaska and then nice. right after that worked for the history channel and then dove right into freelance video and photography and that's just been taking me around since then so i moved out of my house in may of 2014 and have not had a actual place since then <laughs> what are you living in right now well, uh, right, I mean, like, where I'm sitting. No, I'm not where you're at. <laughs> in a school bus. Nice. So you want to yeah. go in? We might as well just talk about the school bus right now. So yeah, how did that come fun. about and the whole journey and story on that? Yeah, so the, the, uh, the bus idea came from myself and my brother and his business partner. Uh, they own a hunting store out in Colorado called uh, Gannett Ridge Hunting Equipment. And... The initial idea was going to use it as like a mobile archery shack, and then it was turned into, okay, maybe we could use it as a semi-marketing rig, and then it became just kind of more of a, all right, what, what, what if we did like a 12-state turkey tour and used a bus and ripped all the seats out and threw some gear in there and then had a place to sleep? And, um, and then it evolved, like this, several years later, this was just me churning on a school bus idea for several years finally pulled the trigger on it and decided to turn it into a rolling billboard for uh i'm trying to think of the best way to put it like basically a rolling billboard for public land awareness uh mostly public land issue awareness and legislation and things that could potentially harm our access to public lands so it's coming up on almost yeah you almost two years now i've i've owned it for over two years and then uh been traveling in it since august of 17 and just spreading the good word about how important public land is and helping raise money and awareness about issues and then donating money to conservation organizations and public land protection and basically anything i can do to help we can wrap back around this uh at the end too but what's the biggest um, foundation you're working with right now that you want people to be aware of and maybe they can head to if you give them a URL and I'll throw it on the page. As far as like conservation organizations? Yeah, that you're working with. Yeah, so <clears throat> been raising money for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Delta Waterfowl, um, and then been doing some stuff with some of the like, uh, state and regional chapters. Uh, also raised money for QDMA. But really it's... Um, <clears throat> It comes down to just getting involved at all. I mean, join a local chapter of whatever you're passionate about and, and get involved and donate the money. And I mean, if 
you, you can join the big national organizations and that's good and they do a lot of good stuff for lobbying and land access and, and that kind of thing. But if you really want to get boots on the ground, join a local chapter and, and get after it. Right. Awesome. So how did your hunting journey start? You grew up in North Dakota mainly, right on the border uh, of Minnesota? I grew up in South Dakota. South Dakota, yeah, okay. grew up in South Dakota. Nice. So yeah, the hunting, my hunting journey started uh, probably, I mean, I, you're never too early to start hunting, but I was, I was really young. Um, I don't remember if it was five or six years old, uh, was we obviously South Dakota's pheasant capital of the world. And so we were doing a lot of upland hunting at that point. And my dad would take, my brother was four years older than me. He would take us out. And even if neither of us could actually hunt, we were walking fields and, you know, just learning the basics, going out and walking. I mean, I remember walking cornfields and, you know, just looking up at the stocks the whole time as I'm going through and trying to keep up and getting stuck in the mud. And, uh, it was just, yeah, started really young. So got, got real, uh, burnt out on pheasant hunting at a very early age. <laughs> We're um, actually are planning on doing a turkey hunt in South Dakota this year. Oh, um, cool. You, you had to the Black Hills or where are you going? We are going, Jed, that might be better. Um, I wasn't looking on a map. <laughs> oh, it's right along. Armor. I think Armor is yeah, like the closest know. town. It's okay. uh, it's on, what is that lake? It'd be Francis the south Case? east um, okay. section cool. by yeah. Yankton. Yeah, yep, yep, for sure. Yeah. Well, you guys will have a good time. Hopefully, it's actually only um like an hour from where we hunt in Nebraska too, so we might do like cool. a dual dual trip or. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice thing because uh, about spring turkey. Are you guys doing archery hunt? Or are you doing yep. shotgun? Yep, archery. Yep, yep, yep. cool. Shotgun yeah, tags were kind of confusing for South Dakota. Yeah, I, I tried calling are. a guy; he wouldn't <laughs> couldn't give me much answer. I'm like, I'll just buy an archery tag. Yeah, yeah, because there's you as a non-resident. Because I'm a non-resident now, um, I'm a Montana resident now. But as a non-resident, you can put in for certain units. Certain units you can't. But then if there's leftover tags as a non-resident, you can buy them. And then it's yeah, like you said, it is confusing. So so wait a second. How do you claim Montana residency in a school bus? <laughs> Can't ask him that. <laughs> uh, well, I moved there in 2012. I still have my vehicles registered there. I pay my taxes there. I don't buy any resident hunting tags in any other state. Sure. And yeah, I just keep it all keep it all very kosher. So do, do you like need an actual address? I have an, I have an address out in, okay. out in Bozeman. Yep. Nice. Yep. Yeah, it's a secret, dude. Yeah. Well, I might want in on it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess that is interesting because I thought yeah. about doing that with Iowa, or you just, but you gotta keep that yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I gotta spend enough time in state, and then I obviously do everything as a non-resident in any other location. Right. So right. Right. it's when it, when you get in really big trouble when you start doing the uh, double dipping. Yeah, trying to double dip on tags that's, <laughs> doesn't go well. That's no. a no-no. Yeah. So now that you've traveled as much as you have and um, as long as you've been hunting, what is your favorite game to hunt and or which state is your favorite place to hunt? Oh, um, I mean, it depends on what I'm chasing. Montana is hard to beat. It's There's a lot of opportunity. It's a giant state. There's not that many people. And there's, I mean, you can hunt everything. Uh turkeys whitetail mule deer elk if you draw the tags mountain goat and sheep and and uh yeah montana as far as opportunity goes it's pretty pretty hard to beat that but i so i kind of got my in the in the hunting industry itself i kind of cut my teeth on whitetail because i worked for midwest whitetail and i spent you know the better part of three months in a tree day you know morning and night and then editing in the middle of the day or whatever so like just the whitetail thing is pretty ingrained in my blood, and every time I come back east and start chasing whitetails, I just I go pretty much lose my mind. So nice. That would I would say that's probably my favorite, probably the one that I spend most of my like. If I'm gonna have to pick one that I think about most, it's probably whitetail hunting. 
we were able to have uh, Zach Fehrenbaum on last uh, two weeks ago now, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he kind of talked yeah. about being with Midwest Whitetail for a little bit. A lot of people start their journeys there. It, yeah. So is that kind of how you started in the hunting industry uh, through yep. filming with them? Yep. So I uh, was finishing up grad school in North Dakota, but I had just started archery hunting and was all picked up a bow, started archery hunting, killed uh, two bucks within a span. Like during the rut, I killed a deer in North Dakota and then killed a deer in South Dakota during the rut. <clears throat> so I was all fired up and had had interest in doing film work or yeah, video work over the, you know, through my life, I had always been interested in it, but was really fired up at this point to like do something with film and hunting and whatever. And so I literally just started cold calling hunting shows to see if they ever needed extra hands or interns or whatever it might take. And one of the people that I emailed was uh, Midwest Whitetail. And this was pretty early in, you know, Midwest Whitetail's journey. They, I'm trying to think that they, when, what year they started, it was, 2009 maybe 2008 or 9 anyway uh so i emailed in 2010 got an email right back from bill and i drove down over christmas break uh from college and drove down and met bill and we chatted briefly and then i went on my way and ended up getting the internship position and moved down there in the summer and started working on filming that was, that was really pretty the, pretty grueling schedule or you don't have to go into yeah. gory details or anything but yeah, no, no, no. It was, uh, I mean, it was great. Like in the moment, obviously I was got, uh, was very tired, but yeah. it was pretty much wake up at four, go film. Or, I mean, this was, you know, when the season started, wake up at four, go either film or hunt, um, whoever was up to bat. Um, and then back to the office to edit for a while and talk to, I was managing the Michigan pro staff and then a little bit later in the year started managing the Minnesota pro staff for, cause at that point they were doing state shows for like, Oh, like 13 States or something like that. And so I was managing those two pro staff. So middle of the day was editing pro staff management, making sure they were sending in footage. And then it was back out into the field for the evening hunt and then back to the office usually to finish up whatever you were working on and then run it again the next day. So it was just, that for from when I started my season up here up in North Dakota uh, September 1st and I think December 10th was my last day down there wow would you yeah. so you only spent the one year of interning there yep, or? Just yep. yep. how would you compare so, your yep. schedule now um, what kind of like daily schedule you have now and do you work for yourself Yep. Yep. Self-employed. So I just do, uh, all freelance work for a bunch of different companies in the, in the hunting space. And, uh, you know, my schedule now in the fall is I'm probably still waking, you know, I'm, I'm up every day, but I'm most of the time I'm, I've worked it now where I can spend a majority of the time hunting for myself as long as I'm getting my work done for all my clients and shooting enough photos that they can use for, marketing purposes or social media or whatever it may be um along the way what's so, your equipment you're rocking with so i i was a canon guy for a long time i even started filming canon xha1s was my first like professional video camera the old 60 minute mini dv tapes um and then i switched to dslrs and was got a canon 7d and then upgraded to the 5d mark three and then eventually the 5d mark four um but yeah i was a canon guy until last spring and i knew that in 2018 i was going to be doing a lot more video and the, all the sony stuff is on the video side of things is just a lot more powerful than the than the canon stuff like kind of in the same price range and so i picked up a sony a7r3 body during last turkey season and decided to give it a month of trial. And then after that month was over, I basically sold all of my Canon gear and made the switch completely to Sony glass and, and bodies. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we have a GH5 for our DSLR and then a, a Canon XF400. So not yeah. like super professional video camera, but it does, gets the job done for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially now, like the, like the stuff that's in the same price range that, you know, like a, 
whatever. You know, you don't have to spend a ton of money to get a lot of power. Like even in the last five years, cameras have changed drastically. So, yeah. But definitely. yeah, I just I've spent a lot of money on camera gear, but it's I look at it as tools for what I do. So I kind of have to be on top of my game. Tax write off. No, well, yeah, help. that helps too. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> not really. <laughs> so, yep. how many? How long was your turkey hunting last year? And if you could pick yep. either one hunt or maybe a couple in one place, um, yep. most memorable hunts from last year for turkey hunting, what would it be? Yeah. So I hunted. I mean, I hunted for most of April and a decent chunk of May. I think I hunted like a week of May. Um, but like I, for me, I think the most memorable hunt was I was actually, I, well, two of them, but I'll start with, um, a solo hunt. And I was on the way back from where well, I'd gone, taken the bus all the way to Boise for the backcountry hunters and anglers rendezvous. And then I was drove back to Colorado where my brother's at. And then I was working my way back across Nebraska and my brother's business partner was like, I don't know, like, I was like, where, where could I, you know, maybe find a turkey for, you know, drive a few hours tonight, hunt quick in the morning, and then uh, keep going. And he was like, I don't know, there's this this spot, like, I've deer hunted here once five years ago, and there were some turkeys in there, so worth a shot. So, yeah. so I, um, yeah, I drove until I couldn't drive anymore and got close enough to where the spot was, slept overnight, woke up got in there a little bit late and but the like the woods erupted around me so i had you know it was fairly early in in april still and so i was kind of hitting like the tail end of a big winter flock and i got in there and all the birds roost flew down from the roost and they were up on this side hill and i was on the other side of a barbed wire fence and they just didn't want to come they didn't want to cross the fence to my decoys for some reason yeah they can't didn't yeah, right? It's just, yeah, they didn't didn't want to do it. They're so, physically they're incapable just... and mentally incapable of crossing yeah. fences. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So, but they they were getting close enough to where I was like, okay, if I, if I belly crawl into my decoys, I might, like, be able to get one close enough to the fence where I can get a shot. So, I started crawling over the decoys, and all of a sudden, from the other direction... I, you know, hear his bird sound off, boom, and I look down, and he's walking right down the fence row, and getting closer, getting closer, getting closer, and I was like, well, I got to clear, like, I don't know, probably 20 yards before I can actually get a shot, so every time he would fan, like, you know, go in a strut, he kept turning away and turning towards the other birds, and so every time he'd turn away, I would just, like, basically, you know, crawl as fast as I could, and then he'd turn back, and I'd go flat again. And then he'd turn back and I'd crawl. And I got to, he walked by like, I don't know, 25 yards, 30 yards or something like that. And I pulled up and just dusted him. And I'm all jacked him already, but I dusted him. And all, like from around the corner of the hill, I hear, Woo! and this bird comes sprinting in from the other direction. <laughs> and I ended up shooting that one right after I had shot the first one. So I doubled like on a hunt that probably should not have even worked even in the first happened. place. <laughs> so where's that at in nebraska <laughs> uh, it's in the somewhere in the general region of the nebraska if you... okay yeah. oh i've oh, heard of that yeah good spot good spot yeah. nebraska's a pretty cool state and i know you probably deal with a lot with dakotas where there's so much different from one side to the other side it's completely changed yeah just the terrain differences and like just what the type of stuff you're hunting in it's just a crazy you can have a completely different experience hunting the east side of the state to hunting the west side of the state yeah um, and then the second hunt from last year that was super memorable was my buddy ben and i uh were hunting super early season and it snowed i don't know it snowed like six or eight inches and then it was down to nine degrees and we went down in this bottom and set up a blind and decoys and but the sun had come out and it was calm and then all of a sudden we had you know all we heard was spitting and drumming and this tom comes running in and basically you know butts up against the decoy and stands there for like i don't know five or six minutes just like puffed up like just looking at the decoy 
And then out of where like the rest of the flock of the toms come just sprinting in, and then he ended up shooting one of the birds like, you know, nine degrees, six inches of fresh snow, and he's got this huge tom on the ground. It was that was really cool. Was that uh, first Wisconsin season last year? Uh, that was actually so I kind of did. I started the season in Nebraska, and then I caught it again later in the year. So that was that was in Nebraska, like right at the end of March last year. Man, it was cold. Oh, that was when we were in Nebraska, and we missed that storm by like twenty miles. Twenty miles. That, but that next day, it was like twenty-five mile an hour winds and like ten degrees. For yeah. but maybe the next yeah. the next day was super cold yeah. after the wind. Yeah. Yeah. We got all of it. So we got the wind, we got the cold and the wind, and then the calm day where we kill the bird. <laughs> we were, yeah, we were like just north of that snowstorm. So we missed yeah. that, but had. Luckily. Yeah. 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 Well, you we got, got the, you got all the, we got like three yeah. of them in Wisconsin over the next, <laughs> that next month during right. three seasons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird, I mean, this, this spring's not exactly shaping up to be uh, a real early spring. <laughs> Well, hopefully it'll be a normal thing where it'll, stuff will start melting now and we can get into, you know, being actually spring when turkey seasons come along. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Cross our fingers. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this year I'm joining up with the hunting public guys. Um, so I'll be meeting up with them. I think we're starting in Tennessee in April. Are you riding with them uh, all I'll be- spring then or... Doing the whole month of April with them, so I'll be taking wow. the bus down to uh, use that as base camp, and we'll be traveling around shooting longbirds. That's awesome. Cool. Well, good luck. Yep. That'll be fun. We'll be in. Uh, Thank you. We'll be out in Nebraska for the opening day, and then South Dakota week after yep. that, and might have to go to Nebraska again. Yep. Hopefully yep. not. Yep. And then there's a there's a chance that we're all going to meet up somewhere in Wisconsin. Uh, but that'll be kind of that, like towards the last season, later in May. Yeah, Wisconsin tends to be the place because I think six season cause we have we have a weird setup, so we have six different seasons. Yeah, and uh, it lasts until the end of May. End no. of May. Yeah. I'm trying to think if it's gotten into June before. No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, goes till the 31st. Yeah. So should be fun. Yeah, for sure. Are you mainly? A photographer now would you say or are you still videotaping a lot of your hunts uh mainly photography i did uh this last year i did a project for <clears throat> onyx maps and it's actually hasn't been launched yet so over the next month or whatever we'll start that series uh, i actually hired a buddy of mine to film five of my hunts from last fall and then he did the edits on them <clears throat> excuse me and so Filmed a bunch last fall, and then I, I the last three years, I've been filming for Jason Matzinger uh, during elk season. But yeah, the majority of what I do is photography. So shoot for uh, Yeti and Sitka and Yamaha and um, Onyx Maps, obviously, and then just you know a pile of other people depending on what they need and what what's available. Well, you definitely have very high quality content. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Big fans. Weston's a little fangirl over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he does good work. Got to respect it. I think... Uh, uh, be jealous of it a little bit. My favorite photo that I've seen of yours was the uh, Desert Bighorn uh, Fleming, is that called? Yeah. Yep. The Fleming The Fleming response is what yep. that's called. <laughs> You did you yeah. oh, you yeah. did some hunting in Hawaii too, didn't you? Yeah, yep. The last two years I've been able to get down there. Um, went down. It was a, a Yeti ambassadors trip that they did the last couple of years, and uh, down on the island of Lanai and chasing axis deer. But fortunately, they let me bring my bow too and bought a hunting license and got to shoot. I shot one two years ago and one last year. Is that just really weird? It's, or is it kind of yeah, the normal, really same? Uh, I mean, you know, hunting is, I shouldn't say hunting is hunting, but hunting is, you know, hunting everywhere, but it's weird to do it in like a paradise, you know? I mean, yeah. you're, 
like it's com everything is just this lush green you know like bushes and i mean you're basically in this like most beautiful place and you can see the ocean the majority of the time and you're but there's i think there's like twenty five thousand deer on the island or something like that and there's only 3200 people <laughs> so okay yeah yeah it's great what was the hunting season like the what was the month wasn't it like in the middle of summer or something yeah so the let's see it was an odd time first, i think that was the weird yeah. thing i've seen with hawaii hunt like they have their horns when yep. white tails don't yeah well so axis deer are spasmodic so they actually like some of the herd will have antlers some will be in velvet some will be sheds i mean it's like there's no okay i mean there's kind of seasons like um that they'll like more of them will have antlers, but it's not like any one set time. Um, so two years ago we went, we were there in June, early June. I think it was June. Doesn't matter. <laughs> June. And then last year we went right at the end of April into early May. Yeah. And was it any difference? Uh, we hit the, we hit the rut a little bit better. Like we missed it. We were a little bit early, but it was still pretty good rutting activity when we went last year. And then two years ago, we were kind of on the tail end of the rutting activity. So it was, I don't know, it, it's hard to its hard to say it was bad because you say you're stalking on one buck and you blow it up and then you just put your binoculars up and go, oh, there's another one. And then you just keep going. So it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not like, you know, spot and stock mule deer hunting or whitetail hunting where you blow a chance and you're like, well, may not get another one this year. It's like, might not get another one for 15 minutes. <laughs> what would be your top pick out west then for hunting? Uh, I really like mule deer hunting, but my, I had a pretty good elk hunt last year, so it's hard for me to, to choose. It was... Uh, yeah, I, I had a good I had a good season last year. I, it'd be hard to pick one or the other out west. But Have you I, ever drawn one of the uh, tough to draw tags out there? Should I haven't. No, I haven't. Anything. I haven't built up quite enough points. I've been putting, you know, obviously been putting in for sheep and goat and bison and moose every year, but haven't uh, haven't drawn that tag. Sure. So I would I would love to go up to either northern Canada or. Uh, up to Alaska and go moose hunt. That's been that's been on the bucket list for a long time. Plus, they're just delicious. You did um, photograph for Joe Rogan a moose hunt in Alaska, correct? Uh, uh, BC. Yep. Yep. Did uh, yeah. That was actually like, as far as photography goes, um, I had done a fair bit before that, and that's how I got hired for that job. But that photo, that cover photo, was really like the kind of that big next step into the yep. uh, kind of the launching point for my photography career. Yeah. So yeah, I went up uh, with Ben O'Brien who at that time, do you guys know Ben at all? He I've heard the name is with meat eater. Now. Yeah. So he runs the hunting collective podcast and then, um, but before, before what he, he's at meat eater now and he was at Yeti, but before he was at Yeti, he was the managing editor for Peterson's hunting magazine. So he hired me to go up on that hunt and do that photo shoot. So we were all up there together. And yeah, Joe and Ben both shot moose. And and then that that's where that photo of Joe holding the big moose quarter over his shoulder came from. And um, yeah, it was kind of a, a big point in all of our careers, I guess, as far yeah. as hunting goes. Anytime you get attach your name to the – he has the biggest podcast in the world, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Like the, the numbers, I, don't, I mean, I wish I knew like the downloads and like the, I mean, it's just, I know that uh, he was following along when I was building the bus. And when I went down to Hawaii the first time, we were all on a podcast together and he had me kind of talk about the bus for like 30 seconds and then push people my way. And it was like, I think I jumped, I don't know, 3,500 followers in three days or something like that, just from that one <laughs> that one little bump. And he's so, a powerful pretty, guy in the hunting industry for well, not being the big, hun right, biggest yeah. hunter. Yeah, just a voice in the world. I mean, you yeah. know, it's just, yeah. and I think he's, I think he's been doing a lot of good things and getting like, 
it'd be hard pressed to find another person who's probably got more people into hunting than him. <laughs> like, yeah, that's uh, true. I wonder, Big advocate. How, I wonder how many people have started either a just archery, like shooting a bow or be like actually hunting because of listening to him talk to guys, you know, Ranella and Dudley and Ben and like all the guys cam and all the guys he has come on the podcast and just basically nerd out about hunting for like three hours. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So trying to get back to, we kind of got out <laughs> off base here from Turkey hunting. Um, That's okay. Yeah. So what is one tactic you think that you've done or kind of learned that's taking your turkey hunting to the next level where maybe before you weren't doing it or you see other people um, not doing it? Like for us, I think our calling and patience has really taken things to the next level. What do you think that is for you? I think hunting where there's really dumb birds has helped me a lot. <laughs> I think that's everywhere. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like I'm, I'm not like completely new to turkey hunting, but I'm fairly fresh as far as like my entire hunting career goes. I haven't been doing it all that long, but I definitely have learned. I'm trying to think of like one thing or another. I think really the big realization to me was knowing that you you don't necessarily have to be so tight to the roost in order to kill a bird. Yeah. <laughs> I think I early on I was making the mistake of push, you know, you'd put some birds to roost at night and then you'd end up almost walking up underneath them in the morning and I just wonder how many times I've busted bird, you know, know that I've busted birds by doing that when I could have just been a little bit more like you said just be a little bit more patient and just yeah be more patient yeah that, that turkeys are tough. covers pretty yeah. much everything doesn't it <laughs> yeah it really yeah i mean patience kills right or yeah right that's pretty much yeah that's pretty much what i've learned <laughs> i know so for yeah do you mainly just hunt public land or do you will you hunt some private land too and no, uh, Oh, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. I was just oh, no, saying, with the public land, oh. we have a little delay on so our side. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's okay. You go, and then I'll okay. go. <laughs> so, do you mainly just hunt public land? And if it is um, just public land or whatever here and there, what's the biggest thing scouting-wise that helps you um, getting prepared for where you're traveling to? Because you probably don't have many, a lot of days um, to scout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I will hunt. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely not like only going to hunt public land. I mean, if there's an opportunity to go hunt somebody's farm or somebody's ranch or whatever it is, I mean, I'm going to jump at that opportunity. I mean, it'd be stupid not to, but I growing up, I certainly hunted way more public land. And for sure, since I moved West, I mean, I, it's been, I mean, other than doing some like outfitted hunts for photography and that stuff in Hawaii and, you know, some things like that that are all on private land. I haven't done a whole lot of private land hunting in quite a while. Um, but there, that's not to say I'm anti-private. Like I said, I'm an opportunist. Like if there's a good opportunity to hunt somebody's farm or ranch, like I'm going to jump at it. But as far as like scouting and getting prepared for a public land hunt, because like I do travel a lot, the like the number one thing that I've changed and has completely shifted the way I hunt new areas is using Onyx. I mean, part of me is kind of bummed because it does make it easier for everybody, yeah. but man, it's easier for me to like to do e-scouting and know, you know, I'll usually have whatever Onyx pulled up on my phone and then Onyx and Google Earth pulled up on my computer and then I'll, you know, be like, okay, I'm going to kind of pinpoint between these, you know, this block, you know, and start to look at every chunk of public on that area and kind of what each piece has to offer. And then, you know, I'll put one certain waypoint on it, like from a higher view. And then as I zoom in, like I'll start to break it down even further and, and then I'll get it to like, you know, say I'm trying to do a new whitetail hunt somewhere, I'll have kind of narrow it down to the what I can tell from the map like the 10 best spots that I think would hold deer 
And then from there, it's just showing up and getting boots on the ground. But yeah, I mean, the, the e-scouting thing has completely changed the way I approach any hunt. You can, you can learn so much from doing that. I mean, whether it's access routes to walking in or if you're out West, you know, like picking out certain elevations to stay at, like, okay, if I stay here, I'm going to be able to skirt around that cliff and not have to drop way down and then go way back up or whatever it might be. It's yeah. Onyx right. has changed the game for me completely. So you would consider yourself a map junkie? Yes, 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> my <laughs> my brother was like, hey, we're thinking about shifting where we hunt uh, whitetails like a little bit. So if you, he's like, if you want to do your whitetail thing <laughs> like look at the map around these areas and i was like yeah sure so i hopped on and then i like went into full like like you said map junkie mode and i sent him back a screenshot and i was like i may have gone overboard and it was like <laughs> i don't know i think i had like 200 waypoints on this like little <laughs> chunk of area and like different point like different like i was like this is probably one we just need to go look at this one has this this and this and like <laughs> yeah so i'm definitely a, a map guy for sure yeah i would agree with you that's one of the i think it's just one of the more fun things to do because you, you never know exactly what's gonna happen but like when when you guess something that's right or when you're wrong about something it's always interesting once you get boots on the ground yeah yeah and then the fact that you can go like you saw it on the map the first time and then you go in there and whether you, if you're right, you can be like, okay, now I need to look for more spots that are like this spot. Right. Or if you're wrong, you know, and you get into this spot and then you watch deer or whatever walk by 200 yards from there, like past a different type of terrain or if it's a transition line or whatever it might be, then you go back to the map and be like, oh, that's what that looks like. Now I can look at all these other, like, and relook at all these other spots and see if that exists in all those places. It's, it's just like this giant puzzle, you know. And it's so much more rewarding than somebody being like, "Oh, go sit here," or "I would go put a stand there." Like, the fact that you can look at it all and, and like you said, make guesses and then have it all come together. Like that's, I don't know. There's something about that that, like, that's that's why it's all worth it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Jed, do you have any questions about his Western experience? How much time do we have? <laughs> Try to keep it <laughs> relatively short. I guess uh, <laughs> well, I'm planning a backpack hunt and <clears throat> I know nothing about the gear. Where okay. would you suggest starting? Okay. What uh, what time of year? Where are you kind of fit? Like what state? Montana. Uh, or maybe I should say Montana? Yep. Okay. Um, do you know like the what time of year are you going? September. Okay. And do you know what roughly elevation you'll be at? Um. I think it's 10 and above, nine and above. Okay. Maybe? Like sheep yeah. unit 500. So real, so pretty high. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> mid September, you're probably looking at down into the thirties at night yep. and then, you know, sixties ish, fifties to 50 to 70 during the day, let's say, depending yep. on what the, what it's doing. Um, I mean, I can I can give you a rundown of what I take if that's yeah. like easiest for you. Okay, yep. so just real, real quick. So I would run. How many days are you doing? However long the season's open, probably. The, okay, uh, so you're doing unlimited sheep unit. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so you'll it's like you're planning like the whole month of September. If it comes down to it. I like it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> So, so you're going to want to do probably like I would, if I was doing that, I would do a, I mean, I would probably run it where I would like go in for five days at a time and then come out. Or if you wanted to stay longer, okay, let's go with just staying longer. So 
uh, a Mystery Ranch Marshall or okay. like a 6500 or whatever. So then you have enough space for camp and food, but it still has the overload shelf where you can separate that pack and load meat and whatever in between. Right. I would run a Big Agnes. Is it just you or are you going with somebody? Probably just me for the majority of it. One other guy might come out for part of it. Okay. Okay. So if, if it's solo, I would run a two-person tent. I would suggest, you know, probably like a a good three-season tent. Big Agnes makes one called the Copper Spur. I think they still make that model. But, yeah, the Copper Spur two-man, if it's just you, if it's going to be two people most of the time, I would, you always one-up the tent. Right. So, because they're always about half as big as you want them to be. <laughs> so uh, a two or three man tent, good, you know, probably 15 degree bag and good sleeping pad. I would run, if you're gonna be up that high doing the un, like the sheep stuff, I would do some pretty stiff shank boot, whether it be a, a Loa or a Kenetrek or a Salewa, something like pretty good ankle support for doing all like the real steep stuff. So you can dig that toe in. And then, um, I would do clothing wise. I would do a set of rain gear, a hat, a beanie, a Merino base, top and bottom. A, I wear all Sitka. So I'll just give you the Sitka rundown. What is what sure. I would do is, um, yeah, Merino top and bottom base, a core, either the core heavyweight hoodie or the apex hoodie, a Kelvin active jacket or a Kelvin light hoodie, a jet stream jacket. And then that should get you through pretty much. And then for the pants, I would do the Timberline pant because it's going to be the most like well-wearing pant for that type of terrain. Then other than that, sorry. Yeah. Head. No, it's just, Headlamps and you know, uh, headlamp, jet boil, water purifier, um, just that you know, all of that type of stuff, too. Right, yeah. I just had something and lost it. <laughs> that was a pretty good answer, yeah. That was awesome. Did you got a yeah. clarity on that? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot me an email if you need a more of a more specific gear list, and I can put that together. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I mean, this is this is another year and a half out, so I'm starting early on the planning. Cool. No, that's good. That's smart. What's the process in applying for that tag or getting that tag? Um, it's an unlimited unit, so you just have to apply by May, I believe it is, and they'll just give it to you. Yeah. Nice. There was a couple of good Rams killed last year in the unlimited units. Yeah. I'm yep. just hoping to like see a Ram and not get eaten by a Grizzly. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of my hope. That's a good, that's, that's a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it happens, it happens, you know, it's a good way to the go Grizzly. Off, uh, right. Bear spray yeah. then. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I was face to face with a ornery black bear last year, and uh, I don't think that I ever want to be face to face with a ornery lesson. grizzly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's the scariest yeah. situation you've been in, in in all your hunting adventures? Uh, I haven't been in any real. I got. I did get. It wasn't super scary. I did get stalked by a mountain lion. Uh, I was hunting the Missouri breaks. And my buddy Kai and I were glassing this, uh, like basically sitting on this little ridge, glassing up a couple different drainages. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pop over the ridge so I can glass down the other way. And uh, I stood up and had my bow and my spotting scope. And I looked over and there was just a pair of eyes, like just from like right behind this bush, just looking at me. And I was like... It just didn't register at first because it was the first one I'd ever seen, but it was, uh, I don't know, like 15 feet or whatever it was away. Um, I was like, God, there's a mountain lion. And he was like, shut up. And I was like, no, it's right there. And so he stands up. He's like, holy shit. You know? <laughs> and uh, it ended up being a fairly small 
mountain lion, but it, and it saw there was two of us and it just took off. But yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that it could just see our heads kind of like sitting there turning around like above the sagebrush and it just came in for a closer look. But yeah, it was, it was close. That's wild. That's a pretty good one. Jed, give him a short explanation on the bear thing. Um, oh, so okay. it was last day of bear camp last year in Canada. Um, there was three of us, two of us were together, one guy by himself, giant mistake, never do that. Um, he ended up shooting a bear, it did the death cry, and uh, like eight other bears showed up ready to fight, wouldn't leave. We tried to scare it away, it charged us a couple times. Um, yeah, it got dark. Man. Yeah. No bear spray. Yeah. No gun. That's a bad situation to be in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we had a one longbow, one machete, and some flashlights. That was our defense. Not enough. No, nope, no, nope, definitely enough. not. That will never happen again. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, man. But we all lived, so that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a plus. That's right. So, before we get on to the our fun part of the podcast, is there anything hunter related? That you guys want to cover, or Sam, you want to cover? I think I'm good. Feeling pretty good. So with our podcast, every time we have people come up with a random thought, anything as long as it is not hunting related. So our favorite still is, well, my favorite still is, we went on about 45 minutes one night about um, roundabouts and how awesome they are. If you're an anti-roundabout person, sorry. You're a bad person. <laughs> no. You should, you should, yeah. Did we did I lose you for a second? Yep, lost us for a second. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I said you shouldn't apologize to the round like people that don't like roundabouts. That's just they're wrong if they don't if they don't yeah, appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, they're bad people. So here's here's my random thought. Oh wow, you're packed and ready to low. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, if if all clothing is different colors, right? Yeah. Why yeah. is lint always kind of a light blue gray? That's crazy. <laughs> that's uh... that's a good one. I, although I do have one uh, old long underwear top that's like kind of pink. Kind of purple, and I definitely dig like purple pink lint out of my belly button every time. <laughs> really? I'm wearing it. Yep. But what? I wonder if it's are they wool? Like, is it a certain like? I wonder if it's a certain fiber that like you get the actual color, and then everything else is just kind of like. Could be. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, let's all look inside of our clothing. So mine's a black shirt. So I have a black. I would Same assume lint as but... well. Black. <laughs> Definitely light blue, yeah. light blue, gr blue, gray. Blue, yeah, but that's gr that's gray. Oh, that's annoying. Do something there. Sorry. That's interesting. I would assume that it's what's inside of your shirt. Oh, uh, black. It's black. Look at your belly button. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying. I took a shower before I came here. Yeah, so did I. I don't have as hairy as a belly button here either. When you pull the lint out of the lint trap in the dryer. Yep. Oh yeah, it's always gray. Oh, always <laughs> yeah, gray, gray. Yeah, yeah. Is that in your belly button? And I pulled the belly button here. <laughs> Was it actually in your belly button? <laughs> I think so. This smell. Okay. There you go. <laughs> no. There you go. Okay, ponder that. God, you got us going. That's there. a mind fuck. It really is. I kinda, yeah. I can't stop thinking about that one though. No. It has to do with the material. I would, I would assume that majority of material. That manufactures clothing in America has. You mean in Taiwan or Taiwan, yeah, whatever. They don't, yeah. Not in. Yeah. Doesn't get manufactured in America, but. Yeah. It's a fabric. I think you're missing the point of the random thought. Don't dissect it. Well, I, that, that's the point. No, that is the point. I thought. Yeah. No, no it's just like. Well, internally, do it. Yeah. Whatever. I'm just glad that everybody else listening to this is going to be able to really think about that for a while. People yeah, are going to be digging too. in their belly buttons for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is great. <laughs> so my uh, random thought 
I'm just gonna use the same one as we did earlier tonight. Cause I can't think of another one. You no, can't. no, that's wow. illegal. How about, All right, fine. Okay. If you have another one, go ahead. Go. Um. So kind of piggybacking off the Joe Rogan thing, I was listening to his podcast today. Talk to the mic. And um, they got into like alien life forms and. So you're piggybacking off another podcast. Well, just a little bit, but I was just kind of bring up what your guys' thoughts about it. Aliens in general? Or is it, are we like a microcosm don't, of another don't go into space. life Don't do form. it. Don't do it. I can't handle <laughs> it. Another life form. Kind That's of a tough like, one because I could go on that for hours. See? It's a, it's a rabbit hole we could all go into. So like you're saying maybe we're the mitochondria. Or something. Yeah, like, like maybe we're just the speck on. I can't handle this. Think about it though. No. Because you what, okay, what's your opinion on it though? If you have a random thought, what's I your think thought there is, on I think it? I think there is some sort of uh, alien life form or well, something yeah. that's. There's too many stars out there for us to be the only one. Yeah, yeah. it's too big. It's too big. Right, and that's right. the part that I can't handle is how big it is. Like I can't even wrap my head around it. Well, so here's here's one for you then. If if there's infinite, basically infinite universes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There there is a 100% chance that there is another set of people doing like us doing exactly this at this moment. Yeah, I've heard that before, and it freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> but but here's but here's my thought on that, like. Where are they in their evolution? Like, are they are like? Equivalent? No, he's saying they're the same. They're the same evolution. No, it can't be. It can't. Be. Or are there people like in the 1700s? Yeah. See, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Like or maybe like even further back. Right. Or well, are they way they, ahead of us? And they well, created yeah. us. And if if somebody is whatever 100 million light years away, and they look back, even if they could see Earth, it would just be dinosaurs. That's true. See? Ah. Makes you think. I'm telling you. Until we discover a way to travel faster than... The speed of light. Yeah. There's yeah. no way we'll ever know. Well, actually faster than... Like, way faster than the speed yeah. of light. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And we're never going to catch up, because the whole universe is expanding exponentially faster. So, like, we can't... I'm going to peel. it. What's just one of those things... Anyway... To to go back to the original thought, that yeah, it's, there's there's no possible way that we're the only someone smoke someone smoking weed in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're starting to get deep, man. Fuck. <laughs> Jed, random thought. Let's switch it up. Well, mine's kind of pointless now. Yeah, mine's better than yours. Yeah. That's fine. My that. random thought is that it should be a felony for. Uh, two semi-trucks to drive side-by-side on the interstate for like 10 (laughs) miles going the one mile an hour different. Or the fucking same. Yeah, most irritating thing in the world. It's insane. Hold on, hold on. He might have a different perspective on this because he drives a bus. Do you actually have to go 40 miles an hour up a hill? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I can't go any faster. (laughs) I drive a semi. It's the same way I used to. Not as much anymore. Why do you feel the need to pass another semi that's going 42 and you're going 43 and you want to like ruin my life? <laughs> uh, did, that did I can't you... answer. I have passed exactly <laughs> six cars in the bus. <laughs> Not many. Pass. And they weren't good. They weren't in good shape either. <laughs> no. No, no. Including the drivers inside them. One guy was passed out. Car wasn't moving. Passed it though. <laughs> he, was pulled, he was pulled over. <laughs> How many cars do you pass as a semi driver? You actually drove a semi. Yeah, I had my class A. Dang, dude. Do you have a earpiece? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not like no, I'm not like that. All right. Hardcore. My random thought is cheap, <laughs> and it's not fair. But I'm looking at two things around me right now, so we're, we're like overtaking like a weight room, as our studio. These weights are probably 35 years old, and that hammer's probably 20 years old. How certain things in our society can last like years and years and years, but people still buy new things of them. Have, who, do you know someone who's bought a new hammer or a new weight set? I just bought a new hammer a couple months ago. Why? I buy tons of new hammers. 
Hey, he's a carpenter. Because I lose them. Okay, oh, so like your hammers. Yeah, that's the difference. Your hammers are like my chapstick. Hammers a bad example though. Weight set though. Look at the weight set. Why would anyone ever need to buy more weights? The weights weigh the exact same. Yeah, it's not like it's not like oh, I'm gonna get the new 35 pounder. <laughs> that's true. Just to look cooler. I don't know. It's like uh. Yeah, there's like an ego a, thing there. Yeah, it's probably. like it's like oh yeah, what kind of weights you got? Or like, I guess there's like those adjustable things where you can like twist a knob and then it's like 30 pounds, not then it's the 40 pounds. Or you just get the shake weight and solve all your problems. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to a random thought. The alien thing's really fucking with me, man. Like I'm having (laughs) problems. I'm not going to recover. Good luck sleeping. Not today? Now you know how I feel every night when I can't sleep. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. No, this is the best that random thought random section thought, yeah. of all time. Well, the thing, I'm going to be digging in my belly button for like the next <laughs> week. Just a big gap. Yeah. And then the alien thing is, I try not to think about I've literally sat myself down, looked myself in the mirror before, and said, you will not think about aliens, okay? Because it's too much. <laughs> we got other things to worry about. Now I'll do that again. Don't even start like YouTube and the conspiracies about it either. No, can't. How about like uh, well, Elon Musk is pretty sure that we're just part of a simulation. Yeah, yeah, I listened to that one too. <laughs> That's uh. <laughs> we're just somebody's. We're just somebody else's uh, like virtual reality thing. <laughs> I am more than that, damn it! <laughs> somebody's playing Sims with us right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. Well, they just yeah. right clicked on your fucking brain. They're like, "Let's bring in the alien shit and see what everyone messes up." Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Don't even get into like how cell phones are controlling our lives, and like they know everything. Yeah.
So yeah, man. Thanks for coming on and sticking with us through this. <laughs> yeah. I hope that wasn't too painful. Yeah. No, no, no. Thanks for having me on. That was fun. All right. If you guys listen to this whole crazy, weird podcast, please subscribe to our uh, podcast, whichever way you are listening, and head over to YouTube, watch our videos, subscribe, and like us on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you a ton for listening.